Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hi. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to delve into something that really matters, into a subject that I think is going to grab our attention. And the reason is because we learned yesterday that the President of the United States, who is a billionaire, or at least that's what he claims, uh, actually only paid $750 in um, taxes. Meanwhile, the rest of us pay $750 per pay period. But he paid $750 for taxes in the tax year 2016 and 2017. He also deflated his assets so he wouldn't have to pay taxes on them. A lot of people do that. But when he wanted loans, he would inflate the same thing so that he could get loans. But the thing is, in an era like that, when you're talking about the wealthy and you're talking about how wealthy people get away with the system, rip the system off, and not only do they rip the system off, we want to examine the origin of their wealth. How did you get wealthy? Where did you make your money from? Because that's an important conversation to have today. You can't just accept that somebody says they're wealthy. Well, how did you make your money? So we're shining a spotlight on in our series, The Cost of Racism, and we're examining what has it cost us to get to this point in human history, where we're at this intersection and the crux and the nexus of racism, dealing with racial history of the subjugation and the human trafficking of African slaves from the continent of Africa to the Americas to fulfill the greedy desires of rapacious white individuals who later, when slavery was abolished, who later were compensated by their individual colonial governments for the loss of property who were slaves. We shouldn't call anybody a slave, black people from Africa and were compensated and whose descendants today are still wealthy because they have had generations of intergenerational wealth. This is something that is crucial because white people like to tell black people that you are poor and that you are lazy and that you have nothing, forgetting to establish that the reason that happened is because you trafficked our ancestors, then you called us property. You attributed a value to us, and now you have the nerve to tell us that you don't owe us anything. This is not about reparations. This is about a bill that is owed and a bill that has become due. And this is not just in America. This was widespread because colonialism was widespread. Because colonialism is what built America. The British colonized America first, then America wrestled its hands out of British domination, but the people in the South still owned slaves. In 1870, when slavery had been abolished in America, 
1870, planters, slave owners, white men and women in 1870 American South told the government that their property, slaves, human beings, black males and females, black women, black men, black boys and black girls were valued at $3 billion. There was only $450 million in currency circulation. That means all the banks only had $450 million. But the number of people and the value attached to black human beings was worth 300 and 300 was worth $3 billion to, sl to slave owners in 1870. I don't want to, I can't compute what $3 billion in 1870 would be today. That's trillions today. Until we get to the stage where we attach a value to our lives and our existence, we've got to hold these people accountable. Part of the reason why they continued to, it's, it's, it's colorism, yes, they hated people because of their color. They have no value to people outside of if you work for them. But another part of the reason is they knew from then that this reckoning would come where people would start asking for money. And if we all start asking for the money that is owed to us based on the work that our ancestors did, if everybody, every black person alive who lives in the Americas, possibly even the ones who live in Africa, start suing white slave owners who their descendants are still wealthy today for property, the whole world, the whole economic system is going to be in an uproar. All of a sudden, they would be declaring war everywhere. But guess what? You can run, but you can't hide. Because as Donald Trump found out, he could lie before the cameras and tell us he's a billionaire worth $10 billion. But on your tax returns, you deflate your assets. So you're not worth $10 billion. You have income, but you then deduct $70,000 for your haircut. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to start making deductions on my taxes for, for getting my hair done. That's a real thing. I'm going to start deducting my, my, my hairstyle and my makeup and my nails and my manicures and pedicures and my spa treatments. I'm going to start deducting that from my taxes. Because if the president does it and get away with it, why shouldn't we? So I want to know, where did your money come from? Your money, where did it come from? Because guess what we're finding now? What we're finding now is that the people who owned slaves, when slavery was abolished, they were compensated by their respective governments, and they built industries that have lasted to this day. Check this out. The Cost of Slavery, Part 3, The Truth Behind Stately British Mansions. That's really what I was curious about. I really was just looking at some nice houses in Great Britain and just looking at them because I just like to see how houses look. But here's what I found. Amid raging debates over how Britain reckons with its imperial past, a new report published by Britain's National Trust identifies over 93 places that were built, benefited from, or connected to the spoils of slavery and colonialism. They include Chartwell Winston Churchill's former home in the southeastern county of Kent, Devon's spectacular Lundy Island where convicts were used as unpaid labor, and Speaky Hall near Liverpool, whose owner, Richard Watt, traded rum made by slaves and purchased a slave ship in 1793 
that trafficked slaves from Africa to Jamaica. As modern day contemporaries grapple with the implications of a long history of slavery and colonialism, this report highlights yet another blood-soaked form of racism, cloaked in blood, sowed in blood, reaped in blood, and for that you owe the descendants of Africans. Hear me clearly. So this dude, Richard Watts, was just one of the bad actors. Yeah? He got a total. He got some money. He owned a slave plantation that made rum in Jamaica. But he was only one of many. He's not the only one. There are several. I'm thinking, uh, as I examine this, uh, I I don't want to, to be honest with you, this story made me very uncomfortable. And it made me uncomfortable because I'm thinking what, the blood of my ancestors were slain, was slain so that white people can live in freedom today. Now, the story on the, on the British National Trust incited a lot of controversy. And it was controversial because a lot of people responded to it. And, and here, here are the varied responses. Some of the responses included, well, there was nothing wrong with that. Slavery was a long time ago. I kid you not. And uh, I don't want to think that just because they use the profits from it to build these homes, that means the homes are bad. Listen to people defending the wickedness of their ancestors. Listen to people defending how you trafficked slaves, how you trafficked people. They were not slaves in Africa. How you trafficked people from Africa to the new world so that you can live. The viciousness that it took to put people on a slave ship, shackle them for a 45-day trip across the Atlantic to drop them off in the Americas and force them to work. Now, the reason we talk about it is because this was not a form of employment labor where there was a contract, as happened later on with the, the Chinese and the Indians where they were, uh, they were ameliorated. So they were given some sort of compensation. But they came willingly. You were given a choice. You can't do, do better in your country. You can go to over, take the ship, go somewhere else and start all over. That's a different thing. And I think black and brown people the world over need to start asking questions. You think about the brown people who live in, 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 in Mexico, for instance. The Aztecs, descendants of the Aztecs. I think the Aztecs, the Incas were in South America, Colombia, weren't they? The Incas, the Aztecs, and the Mayans, and those ancient civilizations. Your descendants should start asking the colonial powers that existed at the time, their descendants, to start paying up for what they ravaged and raped off your land. It's that simple. Much like Africans are saying, we earned this money, pay us our money, because we earned it for you. You didn't pay us then, so pay up now. And you're not going to pay us $7.40 an hour because that was not the value that existed then. You're going to pay us today. In much the same way, everybody needs to ask this question. It is too much. The problem with the world is about money. It's predicated on money and white supremacy and white power doing everything it can to make as much money as possible if they have to traffic people, if they have to traffic children, if they have to rape and pillage people and rape and pillage children, they will, as long as they're not white. So the premise then of wealth and economic power is based on 
racism, that one race is superior, others are inferior. Let's be clear about that. Then if that is the case, and if that is the case, then guess what? In today's parlance and today's modern times, you owe these descendants part of the pickings. Because it seems to me you are all free willy enjoying it, and you are all free willy thinking you were going to get away with it. And that if you held on to power, then that meant you could control power and you could control people and control the way they think and how history is presented so that they never rise up and they never come and ask you to pay them back for what they're due. It seems to me that this is long overdue. The concept, the conversation around reparations has gone way beyond. This is not about reparations, y'all. This is about what is owed and what is due. I am a descendant of Jamaicans, so I am taking this as if this happened to my ancestors. Because you're telling me that a man who owned a slave ship was compensated by the British government for property. He described my ancestors as property. That stuff got to go. Wherever this person is, this individual is, and his descendants, I'm going to dig this earth down and find him and make sure he pays up. And I'm encouraging you all to do the same. Check this out. So here are some notes I made. The British National Trust has a list of 93 homes that can date back to home, to people who owned slavery, to people who owned, including Winston Churchill, the very storied, admired leader of British World War II who took Britain through, through World War II. His family owned a home where slave money bought that property. Imagine that. Imagine that. You all need to digest that and take that for a minute. Now, this individual, Richard Watt, traded rum made by slaves and purchased a slave ship in 1793 and trafficked slaves from Africa. Hold on, it gets better. 29 properties listed on this national trust benefited from compensation after owning slaves and even after slave was abolished in Britain in 1837. The Hibbert family owned, received, so after slavery was abolished, the, the owners of slaves said to the government, we have to be compensated for our property. One family, the Hibbert family, were compensated 8.8 .8 million, 7 million pounds, the equivalent of 8.8 .8 US dollars, to make up for the loss of slaves. That 8.8 .8 million then is over $100 million today. So they still are rich. They didn't blow through $8.8 .8 million, 7 million pounds in 1837, trust me. One family to this day, the Earl and Countess of Harewood owned slaves. To this day, they're still there. Charles Talbot was compensated $3.4 million in today's terms for 543 slaves that he owned. His family is still rich today. Henry LaSalle's was compensated 26,000 pounds. That's about $19 million today. His family is still rich today. What am I saying? All of these people still have family members who are due, still have family members who are due and whose family are still here today and who are wealthier today as a result of what their ancestors did trafficking in humans in human people, black people from Africa. I am sick 
and tired of the white power establishment, and I'm sick and tired of white power that continues to attribute to me my humanity, my personhood, as if I'm not a person of value. When you use my ancestors to work freely, unpaid labor for hundreds of years, profited further when your own governments decided to abolish slavery because it was too shameful, then they were, you were compensated and you have the nerve today to call me and my people lazy and call, according to the current man who sits in the White House, refer to my ancestors as descendants of people who come from shithole countries. You made our country shithole by going over there and taking the best, trafficking people across the Atlantic slave trade. You should be ashamed of yourselves. But guess what? All the money you have made, you're never going to be ashamed. So calling you out as being shameful isn't going to help you. It's not going to do anything to you. You're going to hide behind your, your lawyers. But you know what? There is the International Court of Reparations at The Hague. I guess we're all going to visit there. It may not happen today. It may not happen for a while. But we're all going to visit there. And you're going to pay up. You're going to pay us up for what you did. The generational trauma caused by the violence that your ancestors did to my ancestors, the generational trauma that has rendered hundreds and millions of black people today caught up in a vortex of violence, you're going to pay for it. The mental trauma that comes from constantly being told that you're worthless, constantly being told that you're of no value, that you come from shithole countries, you're going to pay and there is a generation coming who will compel you to pay. If you think you can breed us out, if you think you can lock up and incarcerate black bodies in prison and continue a modern form of slavery, think again, buddy. The tide has turned. It's not turning. 50 years ago, it was turning. 100 years ago, it was turning. The tide has turned and it has come full throttle because it's going to wipe this all out and you're all going to be exposed. In just a matter of time, we're going to have a long list of companies who exist today and families who exist today whose wealth came from slaves. And then you're going to start handing out those checks. And you can declare all the bankruptcy you want. We're going to make sure you are bankrupt, just like you left the black community bankrupt. We're going to make sure you are bankrupt from paying it out. You can nullify your assets. You can devalue your assets and deflate your assets. Do it all you want, but you're still going to be bankrupt when we are done shaming you for what you did. It's time out for the cover-up. It's time out to go along, to get along, because that never worked for us. Every time we went along to go along or they come up with some foolishness like nonviolent change and tell people that, well, we liked Martin Luther King because he was nonviolent. Martin, there was nothing nonviolent about Martin Luther King. First of all, Martin Luther King was marching. That's not nonviolent. Let's just be clear about that. And when he awakened and realized that he'd been marching for years and talking for years and nothing happened, he started listening to Malcolm X. They killed them both. So when our leaders rise up to talk about the inequities in the system and to talk about the inequities that continue to abate, how dare you? is a question I have often asked, found myself asking. What makes a white person, what, 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 what? Explain to me, what makes you think you are better than a black person? Show me the money. Show me the facts. Show me that you came from a superior gene. Show me 
that your body composition made of cells and blood and bone and a network of cells and capillaries just like mine. Show me why you think you are. Bring me the facts. Because I'm going to bring you my facts. These are my facts. That your ancestors took my ancestors and enslaved them and human trafficked them. Those are my facts. So tell me again what your facts are. This is unbelievable. And Britain cannot escape its racist past. You know, I have a theory that all the wealth of the British Commonwealth and all the wealth of Great Britain is locked up in the cellars of Buckingham Palace and under Westminster Abbey. That's where all the gold and the diamonds that they collected over centuries of years. Don't believe for one minute that when they sent explorers out and they brought back the money and they brought back the gold, where did all that gold go? Because we know that it's not in the ground. They didn't bury people with the gold. So they took the damn gold and have it hidden from the people who rightfully owned it. The people who rightfully owned it are the people in Africa and their descendants who live in this, what we call diaspora in the Americas and the Caribbean. And when I say the Americas, let us be clear that Brazil is part of it, that the blacks who live in Brazil, that black people who live in Brazil, black people who live in Colombia and who are continued to be subjugated and oppressed by a foolish system, believing that one race is superior and another is inferior. This colonial property got to go. This colonial mentality has to go. We see it evidence in public policy today, everywhere. Countries that are brown and black continually are oppressed, continually have missiles fired upon their bodies, destroys their infrastructure. Every time they try to make an advance, they're torn down and beaten down because the advancement of the white race continues. Nobody firing guns on Finland, Iceland, Greenland, Denmark, Sweden, and where white people live. No, because white people control the power. But the guns continue to be fired on people who live in black and brown societies. Here in America, guns are turned on black Americans who built this country. America is proud today and rich today because it was built on the backs of slaves. Let us be clear. So when people ask, what is the cost of racism and the cost of slavery? Here's the money. I just told you what the money is. All in the money. And we all need to get it. Because our ancestors paid for it, so there is a cost for that. They were raped. They were butchered. They were thrown overboard. They were lynched. They were cut up in pieces. And they worked from dawn to dusk. Every day. 365. They had to carry poo that the white men and white women sat on toilets. They had to wipe their butts. White women had periods. They had to clean them up. They had to nurse white babies when they couldn't even nurse their own. They're, that is the cost of slavery. Y'all don't want to talk to me today. You're all afraid of it because we have been socialized to think that being black and being descendants of slaves is bad. That's what they told us. That was the narrative that continually repeats over and over, that being black is bad and that you should be ashamed of being black. I'm not ashamed. You know why I'm not ashamed? Your ancestors enslaved my ancestors. But the tide has turned. You ain't going to try that now. You ain't going to even try that now. So I'm not ashamed. And because of this socialization and this 
negative narrative that has been riveted in our minds. We've got to get to the place where we understand that it's about time people start paying for this stuff. And people, voices that rise up and talk about reparations and it's time for a a, a coming together, it's time for a payback, they reduce those voices. They say that they're anti-establishment. You know why? Because you're speaking up against the colonial powers. And of course, they're going to find the Uncle Toms among us who are so afraid of white power that they hide behind the skirts of the oppressor because they're afraid. They're like, I don't want to speak up because he will hurt me. Meanwhile, the rest of us are like, if you don't come out from under there, you will be destroyed for real. Because when they turn, we ain't going to save you. Because when they're ready, they're going to do what? They're going to hurt you and kick you out and create a scandal around you and do you just like they did your ancestors. Get with the program and stop being a coon. How can you as a black person really sit back today and not wonder and ponder on the fact that your ancestors never got any of the money that they worked to build up these empires on? How can you? I'm reading a story on the independent. I listen to this. Britain paid out 20 million pounds in 1833, which today is $16.5 billion to compensate for slaves. Because according to wealthy planters, slaves were their property. So Britain paid them in 1833, 20 million pounds, which today is 16.5 billion. Most of those used that payment out to build their wealth for generations to come. We saw that here in America, where a man named Timothy Meter, who lives in, lived in Alabama, took a slave ship and went to Benin, West Africa, and brought slaves back. He took out a loan. His assets were listed at $20,000, right? That same due today, his descendants are worth over $35 million in property. They're hiding. They don't want to come forward. They don't want to talk about who they are, but they are steeped in the blood. Their hands are washed in the blood of my ancestors. The blood speaks every time. Not only should it looks like we should all do a blood test, but it looks like we need to start asking, where is the money? You want to tell us that you're going to shoot and kill black people in the streets. Where is the money? And you got to understand that the police officer, the white police officer, is a KKK clan member. He's being paid by wealthy white men to do this. You got to understand that. That the white power establishment does not want us to be so empowered that we rise up. Now, this research that I came across is not something that if I were working for CNN or ABC or NBC, I could never do the story. They never let me have the ambit to do it. That's why I'm an independent broadcaster. Because I could never talk about this and do this. So it's up to you to not be ashamed anymore. It's time for, there was never any shame in the first place. The shame was not yours. The shame has always been on the hands of the perpetrator. It's just like when you're raped. We feel violated, but we confuse our violation for shame. And so we feel ashamed, but the shame is on the perpetrator, the person who raped you, much like a woman who was beaten. My ex-husband beat me up and I didn't talk about it because I was ashamed to let people know that I was so powerless that my ex-husband could beat me up. But the shame was not on me. It was on the perpetrator. It's the same thing with slavery. The shame of being beaten, the shame of being robbed of your property. 
it's not on you, it's on the perpetrators who are, whose descendants are still alive today, whose descendants are the, the, the legislators, whose descendants are the owners of large companies, whose descendants are making public policy that continues to eradicate and continues to dissociate black people and remove us from our wealth. I say to you today that it is time for a change. This has got to stop. The continued trauma that black people in America and black people everywhere continue to experience because of racist policies everywhere that continue to marginalize black people economically and the resulting chaos that it brings has caused distress in families has caused generational trauma. We're dealing with a whole different level of trauma that white people cannot understand. I read a report just yesterday, I think it was on one of these periodicals, that says that the tensions, the racial tensions, and the stresses of the coronavirus have contributed to a tsunami of mental health in the black community. Why? Because we can't forget George Floyd. We can't forget Ahmaud Arbery. We can't forget Breonna Taylor. We can't forget hearing about Elijah McClain. We can't forget about Atiana Jefferson. Atatiana. We can't forget about Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, and the list goes on. Eric Garner. And the list goes on. It's a tsunami of mental health. We're stressed about losing jobs. We have lost jobs because black people worked in non-essential services. You know what else I found out? Women were vastly the employed, the employees in essential services like hotel workers. When, they, when women lose their jobs, families have lost income. People are facing homelessness. Mortgages can't be paid. Meanwhile, fat cats who are white in Washington, who are descendants of slave owners, who have generational wealth, won't make a decision about paying out a stimulus every month that is going to save Americans from losing their homes. 31.8 million Americans who are mostly black and brown. Are you hearing me? That is the legacy and the cost of slavery. That is what it means. So the descendants of, of people, of black people brought from Africa to the Americas who were enslaved, today their descendants are still enslaved economically by the white power establishment. That is the fact. That's a fact. You may not like it. You may think, oh, well, but it is what it is. And as they would say in church, I say that with as much love as possible. Seriously, you don't have any love for me because you don't like the color of my skin. You don't like the color of my hair. You don't like how I wear my hair. You don't like the sound of my voice. You don't like how I look. You don't like the color of my eyes. You don't like anything about me. So there's nothing about me that you love. Because if you truly loved me, you would make sure that me and the people who sound and look like me are not called descendants of people who originate from shithole countries. That rankers me just a little too much. Considering that those very same shithole countries those very same descendants are whom you pillaged to build your empire. How dare you? And I, as a descendant of slaves, is looking in your face and saying, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you call me a descendant of people from, how dare you call my ancestors shit when you were shitting with them? 
You shit on them. You peed on them. You cut their necks off in the hot sun while they slave to build your cotton plantations and build your rum empires. The money you are enjoying today was built on the backs of my ancestors. How dare you? How dare you? You are not better than me. You never were. That was always an illusion that you clung, you clung to. You're out of your cotton-picking mind. Is it any wonder that today so many diseases exist that is ravaging white people? Is it any wonder that drugs is ravaging white communities? There's got to be payback. We just woke up late. The question isn't that we woke up late. The question is that we wake up. And guess what? We're awake. My legacy is going to be passed on to my children who are not going to quit. And there are millions of people like me whose children are going to sit back and say, wait just a minute. How did you say this started? So how much money you owe me? Because if you Google how much money in 1837 and 1870 was compared to today, it is mind-blowing. You mean to tell me you people have been sitting on that? Like I told you, Timothy Meher, the man who took a slave ship. And by the way, he and his, his band of robbers were never prosecuted for their crimes because it was illegal to trade in slaves. He was never prosecuted. And he was, that man was valued at $20,000 in 1837. And he went and got a slave ship. And his descendants today are worth $20 million. Cash and assets. And they're all sitting there acting like they're Republicans. I guarantee it. They're wealthy because they're wealthy. That makes them a better person. You all traffic in slaves. You trafficked in black people. How dare you? Crazy stuff, isn't it? So there's this man named Henry Lascelles. He was the second Earl of Harewood in, after the British slave trade was abolished. Uh, he received $26,000, which is equivalent to $19 million today. You've got to look at this within the context because the story really surrounded how British stately homes were built on the money earned by people who trafficked in slaves. So when you look at it, you've got to ask yourself, well, that was just a home. So what happened with the other parts of their existence? What happened with what they did with the money? Well, that is exactly the problem. The problem, too, is where is that money today? So, so this is why maybe subliminally I always knew this because I was never very impressed with people who like to say, well, my ancestors are rich. I was never one of those persons who were like, wow, I wish it were me. I never was. Because at the back of my mind was always the idea that was this person a participant in the Atlantic slave trade, which is the greatest human trafficking event in, in, in human history. And if they were, then their money was earned by illicit means. So you are not better than me. You earned your money because your ancestors, not because they worked hard. You know, white power likes to put it like this, like we worked hard for what we have. You did not. Your ancestors left you the money after they beat up some black people and brought them over here. Let's just be clear. That's a plain and simple fact. Why are you hiding from it? I like this report I'm reading in The Independent says, when they try to find these people, everybody doesn't want to give a statement. Nobody wants to talk. It's just like Timothy Meehart's people in Alabama. 
they live in a town called Mobile, Alabama, right? They don't want to talk to the media. They don't want to come forward. It's no wonder they stayed in Alabama because they probably couldn't come to New York or Michigan or something because we would ask questions like, hey, dude, where you all come from? Where your money at? We got to ask these questions because in asking these questions, we are empowered and we want answers. And the way to do it is to compel them, do a class action lawsuit and let them pay up. It's called retribution and it's called money. You can call it reparations as far as I'm concerned. It's a bill that is old that has become due. And you're the sitting duck because you are the representative of your ancestors and I am the representative of mine. So look at you. Don't you just feel good, right? There you are sitting thinking you are wise, so that makes you a better person. And you look at black people and you disparage against black people. You make fun of how black people live. You make fun of the suffering and the plight of black people, knowing jolly well that it's you and your ancestors and your current survivors and your family members who create the public policy that has rendered marginalized black and brown communities all over the world. I look at you sitting there pontificating, I am a good person. And you are a better person. What part, what part of your human makeup? Unless you're going to show me that you're some extraterrestrial being who can live outside of the air and the water. And unless you can show me that you don't poo or pee and you don't have a period every month, well, come and talk to me. Because the same sickness hits us all. The same that we're, it's the plight of man, is, it's common. We're common to the human condition. You get enough stress, you have a mental breakdown, just like everybody else. You take drugs over time, it's going to destroy your body. You drink over time, it's going to destroy your body, just like everybody else. And when I look at the collective suffering of black people over time, especially here in America, and the collective suffering of, of drinking, of alcoholism, and drug use and drug abuse in the black community, the genesis of it comes from the fact that black people were so marginalized, very few made it out. And those who did have been clinging to that for decades now because they want to continue to make sure their generations never, ever become a part of it, and rightly so. I just don't like the Uncle Tom coonish behavior. You can cut that out because you don't need to be validated by whites. Who are you asking for? Black people. Who are you asking for validation from? People who were slave owners? That's who you want to validate you? People who human traffic people? That's who you want to be validated by? That seems to be wrong, isn't it? If I'm going to be validated by anybody, I'm going to be validated by people who are of moral uh, upstanding character, whose ancestors did not participate in the Atlantic slave trade. And I know most American whites are going to say, but our ancestors didn't. They did. Here's something to think about. You know how they like to say that the South only participated in slavery? New York is a financial center and has been the financial empire of America for a long time. Well, how do you think New Yorkers made their money? They made their money because what? They were the shipping agents for the people in the South who transported slaves. They were the insurance companies who collected insurance premiums. They were the bankers who gave out the loans. They were also the bankers for whom the money was deposited in their accounts from the slave trade. Nice fact to remember 
when you say that the slave trade only existed in the South. So my ancestors were Northern whites, so they didn't know. According to lived experiences, black people who were leaving the South to go to the North to work encountered racism from white people who did not want them to work in factories. Even white people who had come from, (laughs) I know too much, white people who had come from Eastern European countries. You got to understand that the context of whiteness was Northern Europeans. But over time, it matriculated into anybody who was non-Black. So it became all about the skin color. So now, whites also include people of you know, uh, Southern European countries who once upon a time were deemed not fit to be called white. So Italians, Portuguese, and people from Slovenia, and so on, and, and Bosnia, Herzegovina, Romania, Bulgaria, those people suddenly are called white when once upon a time they were not. So the concept of whiteness changes to non-black skin when white people are ready, just like Arabs are considered white and classified as white in America. Just because when they, when, when they don't get enough sun, their skin looks different, so they don't look dark, so they're classified as white in America. You see how the concept of whiteness changes and how it's predicated on the color of my skin compared to yours? That's all that it comes down to. So since I don't have any control over history, but I have control over now, then it's time for you to pay up because I tell you, what I got, I even myself wanted to kind of distance myself and didn't pay much attention to the fact that there was an active slave trade in Jamaica that British white people profited from. But it's kind of in my consciousness now and has come to the forefront of my consciousness. I can't ignore it. It has to be dealt with, just like it has to be dealt with here in America and in Trinidad, Tobago, Barbados, Guyana, and everywhere else. It's time to start asking, where's my share of the money? You all seem to have made a lot of money from this. I mean, the average American pays $12,000 in taxes. The president only paid $750. And, And listen to this. He won't even agree to a $600 every two weeks uh, stimulus, unemployment payment for people. He won't even agree to that, but he only paid $750 in federal taxes, $750. Meanwhile, he got a $70 million tax refund. As a friend of mine on Twitter would say, that's some BS. But that, my friends, is called white power. And we let it get away with it. We like to, we, we imbibe what they say that we are powerless. We imbibe it too much. And so we believe it that we are powerless. And we continue by our inaction. We make them, make their actions continue. Because we don't talk up. We don't speak up. We don't demand. Demand action. And when you start demanding action and you start speaking up, then you're going to get some sort of action. You get some traction. And then when we start gaining traction, it comes to a place where it has to get to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is going to have to vote on it. And we're going to say, wait, the Supreme Court is all white. That's why they stack it white so they can get away with it. See, the president is seeing something. 
just like he's seeing where he's going to be held accountable for his years of abuse, he recognizes that if he doesn't put someone favorable on the Supreme Court to him, he's going to probably end up not only being in default taxes, but more likely jail time. So he thinks he can plant someone on the court. Whether or not that actually goes through, he might find he's still going to lose the election. And when he does, that person will be placed, he won't have any power to influence that person. But that's the side story. That is just to show you how white power thinking works. That if they surround themselves with like-minded people who think like them, then they will continue to perpetuate the idea of their power and white power reigns supreme. We've got to get to the stage where we recognize that we are empowered. Our our empowerment does not come from a white person handing you a cookie. Our empowerment doesn't come from a white person giving you a platform or giving you something. That's not it. Your empowerment comes from you, of your own humanity and your own initiative, standing up and saying enough is enough. That's all the empowerment you need. If I had waited for years on people to validate me or hand me some an Oscar or an Emmy, you need to cut that out. That's their admiration for what they do. You don't need that. Create your own. And this is that moment when we are creating our own traction, creating our own volume, that this right here is enough. The LaSalle family, I'm pretty sure, still exist in Great Britain. They didn't die out. And they're still wealthy. If I'm not lying, I think they own a company called LaSalle's Laboratories. It's about time because their ancestor was paid the equivalent of what would be $19 million today. So he built on that because he owned 1,300 slaves. A guy who owned 543 slaves was paid the equivalent of $3.4 million. He was paid 4,000 pounds because black people were considered property and had a value. Therefore, if that is the case, then you need to pay me according to your valuation of me. Because your valuation of me is what? That I have some money attached to me. So how about you pay me now for that money? How about that? How about it? <laughs> so the people who, create, who, who created this story and who put these homes up for consideration and gave the history of the homes. According to some people in Britain, this was supposed to celebrate British history and how advanced they are as a society. But they said, we have to tell who owned the homes and where they came from. Shout out to them. Because black people living in Britain are invariably descendants of people who came from the British Commonwealth, which were countries that were once terrorized and colonized by Britain. Those people do not have any foothold in the United Kingdom. They don't have any foothold economically. They're still disparaged against and mistreated. Yet their ancestors are why some people in the United Kingdom are rich and powerful today. That is why nobody speaks up. Bob Marley used to say this. If you don't know your history, you don't know where you're coming from. And if you don't know where you're coming from, how do you know where you're to go? If, see, white people, white power, made sure that we don't know our history. 
Because if we don't know our history, the past is a guide to the future. So if you don't know your history, how will you know what direction you should go in and what moves to make? You have to know what pitfalls to avoid. You have to know, therefore, that if that were the past, then I have to make it different if it needs to be changed. But if it is good, then I need to build upon that. They made sure that they told us and remind us at every turn that if your skin is black and if you are black, you are nothing but a vessel and a piece of property. Well, you need to pay up for that piece of property since your mouth is so big. Pay up for it. I kid you not. I was blown away by this. I could not imagine anyhow that this could have happened. Can you believe it? People, can you believe it? This actually happened. And it makes me think, Britain has stately homes. What about the stately homes right here in the South that continue to exist today? I believe a white preacher, uh, Jesse DePlantis, bought an old plantation. He was kind of chided for it, but he kept defending it that he had a right to. He says he uses it now for historic tours, but he lives in it. It makes me think about the stately homes that must exist in Spain and Portugal and France as a result of their owners being slave owners, former slave owners. They're still kind of slave owners in a way because if they own a factory or any kind of manufacturing subsidy or plant, they still pay people less and have people working in conditions that are subhuman. So they still are slave owners. The, the game just changed. Instead of trafficking in people directly, they now trafficking goods, but use people to work those goods and don't pay them. You see where I'm coming from. So what are we going to do? Are we going to sit back and let the hunger games become our manifesto? Let the hunger games become our reality where they divide us and put us so far away from wealth and use our children's bodies as currency? Is that what we're going to do? We're just going to sit back and let the hunger games manifest right before our eyes. Or are we going to start demanding it's time to be paid up? Something has to give, and it will. My name is Harriet Kemmerk. This has been Down to Earth. For more information on me, you are free to Google me, follow me on Google, as well as follow me on Twitter and Instagram and get my book, Through the Fire, available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. You are also welcome to follow my pages on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere your favorite podcast platform is. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and listen to us daily as you stream us on iHeartRadio and wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.